Long History, the Southern United States in the 1500s. Part 1. Hernando de Soto prepares to depart. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 1 of Long History's The Southern United States in the 1500s. This latest document on Long History describes one of the first European expeditions to explore the southerly states of the United States. And it includes some of the earliest written significant descriptions by Europeans of areas such as North and South Carolina, Tennessee and Arkansas. This expedition was headed by a man called Hernando de Soto. And what I'll do here is paraphrase the 1907 introduction to this account, which was written by T. Hayes Lewis, which will incorporate some direct quotations from that text. So let's get going. I hope you enjoy this latest text on long history. And here we'll start with the introduction. Hernando de Soto's expedition began in April 1538. This narrative was written by a Portuguese man known enigmatically as the Gentleman of Elvas. If he was one of those Portuguese who were named in the book as having started from Elvas, the inference is that he was called Álvaro Fernández. In this document we get our first geographical knowledge of the interior of the states which would eventually be known as Florida, Georgia, North and South Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, Texas and also some Indian territories. The Spanish, whilst on other minor expeditions, may also have entered the states of Missouri and Louisiana, but of that there is no certainty. But what is certain is that Hernando de Soto covered wide swathes of today's United States. The earliest history of the great nations residing in the above-named states at the time is related in these narratives. The expedition having traversed the territory of the Timaguas, Cherokees, the various divisions and tribes of the Muscogee or Creek Confederacy, the Choctaws, Chickasaws, Quapaws or Arkansas, several branches of the great Pani nation and some other tribes that are not so easily identified. In the narratives can also be found the first written European descriptions of the habits, manners and customs of the native tribes met with. The towns, villages, houses, temples, granaries, bridges, canoes, banners, arms, clothes and cooking utensils are all described and of course they're all written from a European point of view. The text was first published at Evora, Portugal in 1557 and here we've used an English translation by a man with an excellent name, Buckingham Smith, which was first published by the Bradford Club in 1866. Now before we begin with the text itself, it includes an epigram and a foreword written by Andres de Burgos, who was apparently the text's original printer. So that's the introduction to the text as a whole. Now we'll introduce the text that makes up the rest of this episode. In this first part, we hear about Hernando de Soto himself. We hear another familiar name, Cabeza de Vaca, who wrote a document already serialized by Long History and with the title Florida, Texas and Northern Mexico in the 1500s. He appears in this episode and we learn that after returning from his arduous journey across Florida, Texas and Northern Mexico, it appears he wants to return to the Americas and is now heading to the Spanish Rio de la Plata colony, which comprises today's Argentina, Paraguay and Uruguay. The leader of our current expedition, however, Hernando de Soto, tries and fails to come to an agreement to take Cabeza de Vaca on this expedition. Of course, at the time, he's one of the few Europeans to have lived in the area Hernando de Soto is going to visit. Nevertheless, his expedition will go ahead. So in the rest of this episode, we hear about the preparations for the expedition, which involves both Spanish and Portuguese men. So let's get going with long histories the southern United States in the 1500s. Please enjoy. The narrative of the expedition of Hernando de Soto by the Gentleman of Elvas. True relation of the vicissitudes that attended the governor, Don Hernando de Soto, 
and some nobles of Portugal in the discovery of the province of Florida, now just given by a Fidalgo of Elvas, viewed by the Lord Inquisitor. Fernando de Silveira, Senor de Cesadas, great poet and very illustrious, respecting the material of this book and in praise of the author, Epigram. He who would see the new world, the golden pole, the second, other seas, other lands, achievements, great, and wars, and such things attempted as alarm and give pleasure, strike terror and lend delight. Read of the author this pleasing story, where nothing fabulous is told, all worthy of being esteemed, read, considered, used. André de Burgos to the prudent reader. Aristotle writes that all, or at least most men, are given or prone to look at and listen to novelties, especially when they are of foreign or remote countries. These things, he says, enliven the heavy, while they give recreation to delicate and subtle minds, that propensity moving men not only to see and hear, but, if possible, to take part in occurrences. This desire exists in the Lusitanians more than in any other people, for two reasons. The one because they are very ingenious and warlike. The other because they are by nature great navigators, having discovered more land with wider sailing than all the nations of the earth beside. So, it appearing to me that I could do some little service to those who should read this book, I resolved to imprint it, assured, beyond its being in the Portuguese, that it is composed by a native and likewise because citizens of Elvas took part in the discovery, as the narrative will itself disclose. What he has written I undoubtingly credit. He tells no tales nor speaks of fabulous things, and we may believe that the author, having no interest in the matter, would not swerve from the truth. We have this assurance besides, that all he has set down passed before him. Should the language by chance appear to you careless, lay not the fault on me. I imprint and do not write. God be your protector. Discovery of Florida Relation of the toils and hardships that attended Don Hernando de Soto, governor of Florida, in the conquest of that country, in which is set forth who he was and also who were others with him, containing some account of the peculiarities and diversities of the country, of all that they saw and what befell them. Chapter 1. Who Soto was and how he came to get the government of Florida. Hernando de Soto was the son of an esquire of Jerez de Balajoz, and went to the Indias of the Ocean Sea, belonging to Castile. At the time, Pedrarias Davila was the governor. He had nothing more than blade and buckler. For his courage and good qualities, Pedrarias appointed him to be captain of a troop of horse, and he went, by his order, with Hernando Pizarro to conquer Peru. According to the report of many persons who were there, he distinguished himself over all the captains and principal personages present, not only at the seizure of Atabalipa, lord of Peru, and in carrying the city of Cusco, but at all other places wheresoever he went and found resistance. Hence, apart from his share in the treasure of Atabalipa, he got a good amount, bringing together in time, from portions falling to his lot, 180,000 cruzados, which he brought with him to Spain. Of this, the emperor borrowed a part, which was paid. 600,000 reales in duties on the silks of Granada and the rest at the Casa de Contratación. In Seville, Soto employed a superintendent of household, an usher, pages, 
esquire, chamberlain, footman, and all the other servants requisite for the establishment of a gentleman. Thence he went to court, and while he was accompanied by Juan de Añasco of Seville, Luis Moscoso de Alvarado, Nuno de Tobar, and Juan Rodriguez Lobillo. All, except Añasco, came with him from Peru, and each brought fourteen or fifteen thousand cruzados. They went well and costly apparelled, and Soto, although by nature not profuse, as it was the first time he was to show himself at court, spent largely, and went about closely attended by those I have named, by his dependents, and by many others who there came about him. He married Doña Isabel de Bobadilla, daughter of Pedro Arias d'Avila, Count of Puñon Rostro. The emperor made him governor of the island of Cuba and Adelantado of Florida, with the title of Marquis to a certain part of the territory he should conquer. Chapter 2 How Cabeza de Vaca arrived at court and gave account of the country of Florida, and of the persons who assembled at Seville to accompany Don Hernando de Soto. After Don Hernando had obtained the concession, a Fidalgo arrived at court from the Indias, Cabeza de Vaca by name, who had been in Florida with Narvaez, and he stated how he with four others had escaped, taking the way to New Spain, that the governor had been lost in the sea, and the rest were all dead. He brought with him a written relation of adventures, which said in some places, Here I have seen this, and the rest which I saw I leave to confer of with his majesty. Generally, however, he described the poverty of the country, and spoke of the hardships he had undergone. Some of his kinsfolk, desirous of going to the Indias, strongly urged him to tell them whether he had seen any rich country in Florida or not, but he told them that he could not do so, because he and another, by name Orantes, who had remained in New Spain with the purpose of returning into Florida, had sworn not to divulge certain things which they had seen, lest someone might beg the government in advance of them, for which he had come to Spain. Nevertheless, he gave them to understand that it was the richest country in the world. Don Hernando de Soto was desirous that Cabeza de Vaca should go with him and made him favourable proposals, but after they had come upon terms they disagreed, because the Adelantado would not give the money requisite to pay for a ship that the other had bought. Baltasar de Gallegos and Cristobal de Espindola told Cabeza de Vaca, their kinsman, that as they had made up their minds to go to Florida, in consequence of what he had told them, they besought him to counsel them, to which he replied, that the reason he did not go was because he hoped to receive another government, being reluctant to march under the standard of another, that he himself had come to solicit the conquest of Florida, and though he found it had already been granted to Don Hernando de Soto, yet, on account of his oath, he could not divulge what they desired to know. Nevertheless, he would advise them to sell their estates and go, that in doing so they would act wisely. As soon as Cabeza de Vaca had an opportunity, he spoke with the emperor and gave him an account of all that he had gone through with, seen and could by any means ascertain. Of this relation, made by word of mouth, the Marquis of Astorga was informed. He determined at once to send his brother, Don Antonio Osorio, and with him Francisco and Garcia Osorio, two of his kinsmen, also made ready to go. Don Antonio disposed of 60,000 reales income that he received of the church, and Francisco of a village of vassals he owned in Campos. They joined the Adelantado at Seville, as did also Nuno de Tobar, Luis de Moscoso, and Juan Rodriguez Lobillo. Moscoso took two brothers. There went likewise Don Carlos, who had married the governor's niece, and he carried her with him. 
From Badajoz went Pedro Calderón and three kinsmen of the Adelantado, Arias Tinoco, Alonso Romo, and Diego Tinoco. As Luis de Moscoso passed through Elvas, André de Vasconcelos spoke with him and requested him to speak to Don Hernando de Soto on his behalf, and he gave him warrants issued by the Marquis of Villarreal, conferring on him the captaincy of Ceuta, that he might show them, which, when the Adelantado saw, and had informed himself of who he was, he wrote to him that he would favour him in all and through all, and would give him a command in Florida. From Elvas went André de Vasconcelos, Fernán Pegado, Antonio Martínez Segurado, Menrois Pereira, Rocondeira, Esteban Pegado, Bento Fernández, Álvaro Fernández, and from Salamanca, Jaén, Valencia, Albuquerque, and other parts of Spain, assembled many persons of noble extraction in Seville. So much that many men of good condition, who had sold their lands, remained behind in San Lucar for want of shipping, when for known countries and rich it was usual to lack men. And the cause of this was what Cabeza de Vaca had told the emperor, and given persons to understand to converse with him respecting that country. He went for governor to Rio de la Plata, but his kinsmen followed Soto. Baltasar de Gallegos received the appointment of chief Castellan, and took with him his wife. He sold houses, vineyards, a rent of wheat, and ninety hayras of olive field in the Jarafe of Seville. There went also many other persons of mark. The offices, being desired of many, were sought through powerful influence. The place of factor was held by Antonio de Biedma, that of controller by Juan de Añasco, and that of treasurer by Juan Caetan, nephew of the Cardinal of Siguenza. Chapter 3 how the Portuguese went to Seville and then to San Lucar, and how the captains were appointed over the ships, and the people distributed among them. The Portuguese left Elvas the 15th day of January, and came to Seville by the Vespers of Saint Sebastian. They went to the residence of the governor, and entering the court, over which there were some galleries in which he stood, he came down and met them at the foot of the stairs, whence they returned with him and he ordered chairs to be brought, in which they might be seated. André de Vasconcelos told him who he was, and who the others were, that they had all come to go with him, and aid in his enterprise. The Adelantado thanked him, and appeared well pleased with their coming and proffer. The table already being laid, he invited them to sit down, and while at dinner, he directed his majordomo to find lodgings for them near his house. From Seville, the governor went to San Lucar, with all the people that were to go. He commanded a muster to be made, to which the Portuguese turned out in polished armour, and the Castilians very showily in silk over silk, pinked and slashed. As such luxury did not appear to him becoming on such occasion, he ordered a review to be called for the next day, when every man should appear with his arms, to which the Portuguese came as at first, and the governor set them in order, near the standard borne by his ensign. The greater number of the Castilians were in very sorry and rusty shirts of mail. All wore steel caps or helmets, but had very poor lances. Some of them sought to get among the Portuguese. Those that Soto liked and accepted of were passed, counted and enlisted. Six hundred men in all followed him to Florida. He had brought seven ships, and the necessary subsistence was already on board. He appointed captains, delivering to each of them his ship, with a roll of the people he was to take with him. And so as this text begins, we see how men were gathered from the whole of Spain and Portugal to take part in this expedition. 
we get some flavours of the time of the rivalry between the Portuguese and the Spanish, and also see how Cabeza de Vaca appears to promote the wealth of Florida, and thus tempt many men to go on this expedition, even though having read Cabeza de Vaca's text, it's difficult to see what type of wealth the Cabeza de Vaca was promoting here, particularly when in the Florida area many men died of starvation in Cabeza de Vaca's expedition. In the preamble of this text, the printer makes an interesting observation in the following quotation. We may believe that the author, having no interest in the matter, would not swerve from the truth. The printer affirms the veracity of what is recounted, and yet, centuries later, we can see that although this may be the truth, it's only one version of the truth. And we can see that between the contrast between what Cabeza de Vaca says here, how he promotes Florida, and what his own text says about Florida. And it's strange that Cabeza de Vaca's help is asked for, but he seems to be reluctant to divulge everything he knows. If you want to know more, Cabeza de Vaca's journey is on Long History and it's called Florida, Texas and Northern Mexico in the 1500s. All the details are there. In the meantime, a group of 600 men and 7 ships have been put together. The journey itself will begin in the next episode. That's it for the first episode of the Southern United States in the 1500s, Hernando de Soto prepares to depart. Thanks everyone for listening, if you've made it to this point please like, subscribe and share if you can, it really helps to promote long history. There are actually 25 little snippets of 10 minute episodes in this document, so do subscribe to be informed of when they're released, and you'll hear some of the first ever descriptions written by Europeans about the southern United States. Thanks everyone for listening and goodbye.